Hello and welcome to the BG Podcast. My name is AJ Bingham, CEO of Bingham Group, and joining me is co-host Hannah Garcia, an associate with the firm. Uh, welcome back, Hannah. It's been uh, a while, at least virtually, for the show. Yeah, welcome back and happy belated 40th birthday. Thank you. Thank you. My my knees are feeling so far so good. Hairline didn't make it, but I'm feeling good. And then this is also the podcast 200th episode. Which is a you know major milestone. We've had some some stops here and there, some gaps here and there, but uh, yeah, episode two hundred, and um, you know, on we go to the next two hundred. Uh, I want to kick off a few things. So besides uh, thank you again for my wish for me happy birthday, uh, we in the past several weeks launched a sister firm BG Media, which is focused on public strategy and namely public relations and public affairs. You can find more information about that at www.bgmediagp.com. We'll have a link in our show notes about that. Um, but today's show is going to be focused mainly on the Texas legislature, which which uh, convened, which concluded on Monday, May 29th, Sani Dai, as they say. Um, there are several items that Hannah is going to be discussing later in the show. Um, and a few quick notes. Next week is the Austin Council's final regular meeting on June 8th. Uh, one key item of note that we're watching is item 53. This is the con- to taking up the consideration of recommendations relating to prioritizing initiated amendments to the city's land development code. Um, and Hannah, you can write, chime in this a little, a little more, but there have been a slew of LDC um, resolutions and that have brought, there are, there are directives for city, st- city staff to bring back ordinances for council. Um, you know, more than, more than 10, I know. Um, but you want, you want to key, key in that a little bit more? Yeah. So since this new council has come in, there's been a lot of resolutions related to amending the land development code. And, um, additionally, the previous council before they left, they initiated some as well. So item 53 just aims at prioritizing them as well as kind of figuring out which ones are already, you know, on the pipeline ready to be done. And so, um, item 53 will just kind of be taking up what Housing and Planning Committee did um, last week at the end of May on, I believe it was the 23rd of May. They t- The Housing and Planning Committee took this up and kind of did a draft of the prioritization list. And stuff on this list is related to, you know, parking elimination or parking requirement elimination, um, eliminating occupancy limits. Um, you know, there's stuff related to compatibility, um, new zoning categories like town zoning um density bonuses there's so there's there's a lot of stuff which is all going to be great for um development here in austin as well as the housing market um but we definitely need to kind of um prioritize kind of figure out which ones can be you know kept at their current pace and which ones need to be moved up which ones can kind of sit and which ones are going to be you know significantly harder to implement than others very good more on that next week uh, so turning back to the the capital. So again, the session ended on Monday, May 29th, but on the heels of that, it didn't end on a uh, with a whimper by any means. So Hannah, you want to kick things off? What what are some of the highlights? Yeah. So um, in the final days, you know, I think one of the things that you know most people were expecting was it to be pretty quiet. You know, some legislation to pass that we needed, such as like, you know, maybe come to a deal on property taxes. But I think one of the things that kind of, you know, was a bump in the road and kind of took people's attention from that was um, our attorney general. We did impeach him. <laughs> well, and we, so, that, yeah, the Texas House did. Ken, yeah, Attorney General Ken Paxton. 
Yes, yes. And so that had an effect on the final days and just the passage of legislation. Um, you know, controversy aside, you know, this, the House had to vote on that and take up about 20 um, articles of impeachment, which was not an easy feat. And so that definitely took time away from the passage of legislation that probably would have normally happened if this, you know, hadn't been something that they needed to take up immediately. No, it, so, it really took up like Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, yeah. And even before that, one of the things we found out was that in March, um, the House Investigative Committee had been investigating the Attorney General for a while. So this was something I think that the public didn't necessarily know was on everyone's mind in the legislature, but I, I think it was. And so, you know, before the Senate gaveled out as well, the Chamber Secretary announced that the seven appointed Senate members would return June 20th to discuss rules for the impeachment proceedings and that that trial is going to happen before the end of August. Mm-hmm. So um, despite the fact that we're having special sessions, I think that's, you know, the impeachment trial definitely will take um, time away from certain things that the governor may wanted to do. And, you know, he's already come out and said, you know, the special session that he called immediately following um, signee die to start immediately the next day on that Tuesday. Um, he even mentioned that there's going to possibly be a need for more special sessions. Yeah, so we'll, we're, we're quick. Come back to Paxton's. I mean, the, the House already, they're going to be announced today, the appointment of their the attorney team, a duo out of Houston to, um, I don't know their, their names in front of me, but it's two very established Houston lawyers that will be representing the House or making the House case to the Senate, which is, will be, you know, those 31 members will be the jury, uh, including, you know, just, just uh, one of those members is uh, Kim, Senator, or Attorney General Paxson's wife. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how that plays out. A lot of, a lot of, you know, politics within politics on this. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, and we should get some. We should get some context too. What's context too on like the this, the impeachment didn't come out of nowhere. I mean, it was the like why was the House investigating investigating committee investigating the Attorney General? Yeah, so this all comes out um, related to a whistleblower lawsuit. Um, right, last year. Yeah, and that that was related to Paxton's own doings, and so some of his staff that came out as whistleblowers um, then sued. The attorney general's office after being fired and so well, we're uh, too, it was for it was like four of his members of his leadership team yes too, particularly and these are all yeah. like very much republican vote leading folks yeah and and so i think the biggest issue is that he our attorney general Ken paxton wanted to settle that lawsuit with taxpayer funding and i think there's a lot of questions about why um and you know why it was three point I believe it was three point three million. That might be a billion. So no, it was a million, it was a million, but it was more why it was a he was requesting the house to to pay the settlement versus he pay himself. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that was that was something that was rubbing some um house members the wrong way. And so I think this this might have been seen as like I think a long time coming to a lot of the public, um, just based off of the um twenty counts of impeachment. But um and then yeah, prior just kind of, you know, for all this, I think going into the, and this, these are all, I mean, we're not piling on, these are just like the facts of it, but, you know, going prior to all this, there had been several, he's already, AG was already fighting um, securities fraud uh, challenges too from the Fed. So it's a lot of things kind of adding up with this one. Yeah. Yeah. This definitely wasn't an overnight decision from our legislature. Mm-hmm. But, um, 
despite the scandal that may have marred the last days of session, um, they did, you know, achieve a lot. Um, and so there's there's a lot of bills that were passed during the regular regular session that are going to be great for both the business community, um, nonprofits, as well as um, community colleges. And so we can kind of talk about that a little bit. These are legislation legislation passed that has not been signed by the governor's desk. That hasn't been signed yet, but it's on the governor's desk. And so just to kind of highlight some great things that have happened um, in the budget, they've earmarked a billion dollars for water infrastructure improvements which is gonna be great. Cause I think one of the things we know is that manufacturing needs a lot of water. And so that'll be great for um, economic development here in the, the state of Texas, as well as just for people. Um, water is definitely something we all need and it's really important. So excited to see that potentially come out as well as there was federal funding that was additionally allocated for water infrastructure. So that could potentially be matched by federal funding. Additionally, they allocated another $1.5 billion to expand broadband internet across the state. And I think that's one of the things we know we definitely needed. There's a lot of spotty areas in the state, as well as after the pandemic, we saw a lot of students having to utilize Wi-Fi um, at public libraries, as well as at their school um, amidst a pandemic. And so this is going to be great to getting everybody connected. As we know, internet is vital to um, just life and education now. Additionally, on the governor's desk is going to be HB5. That is the Chapter 3 Run 3 replacement. For those not familiar with that, that's a um, kind of tax incentivizing program, which private companies can work out with school districts in which um, they kind of get a bit of a tax break on those property taxes. And um, it is also just good for economic development as a new facility uh, manufacturing or some type of company will be built in that area where the school is. And so that's currently on the governor's desk. It has a lot of different changes from the previous chapter 313, um, but still at the crux of it, um, similar uh, program. Mm -hmm. Another bill that I think is of note, just for anyone that's involved in local politics is gonna be uh, HB 2127. That's that local preemption bill. Um, this legislation will block any local ordinance regulating conduct in broad areas the state already regulates, including labor, environment, agriculture, and finance. And so this will many, this will render many local ordinances unenforceable. Um, this includes, you know, Austin's labor laws that require rest breaks and ban workplace discrimination of various kinds. And so this will kind of change, I think, how things are enforced or potentially how ordinances are rolled out just because um, if they do potentially interfere with state regulations, um, you know, that, that could be a lawsuit. And I think that's definitely something that um, cities will want to avoid. Yeah, that one's gonna be interesting to watch how it plays out just over the course of really now until wherever it's enacted um, between now and the next session. Yeah, yeah, and I think we may see some um, some small minor tweaks to that. You know, one of the things that the legislature loves to do is pass a bill and then come back and and amend it a little bit every single session because I think one of the things that as policymakers we know is you learn you learn as the policy is implemented and enacted. Mm -hmm. um, so that that could potentially change, but you know the bill right now sitting on the governor's desk, and I think we expect that to get signed. Um, last but certainly not least, um, HB eight was the community college funding restructure, and so that's going to be an infusion of more than six hundred fifty million dollars um, as a state overall how we fund two year schools. And so this new model is going to um, award states funds based on student outcomes, such as credentials in high demand fields. So you know nurses, uh, manufacturing as well as transfer rates to universities. Uh, so that'll be four-year universities. Um, and the number of high 
high school students who earn at least 15 credits in dual programs uh, or dual enrollment programs. So one of the things I knew in high school is that a lot of my friends, including myself, did dual enrollment programs. So I think this will be great just because um, a lot of people are doing these things. And I know a lot of students are enrolled and getting those um, degrees. You know, I think I believe Tesla and other um, big manufacturing companies have hired over a th 100,000 people in the area right now. So I'm excited to see how this pans out. And I definitely think it'll be great for community colleges. Definitely. I mean, ACC is one of the, well, for, for those in Austin, Austin Community College, that the network is one of the largest, is the largest by student population um, and overall footprint, uh, you know, higher, Institute of Higher Education in the Central Texas. But I think statewide, too, one of the largest. So this definitely has impacts for the community college itself, but then by virtue of that, the workforce, you know, in terms of looking at workforce needs, everything else as well, as does HB5, or HB5, the chapter 313 replacement, um, you know, this ties directly to, you know, we have clients in the manufacturing space. And so we think about particularly the development or the expansion of our semiconductor sector or attracting those kind of facilities and manufacturing broadly to the region. Um, these tools definitely are essential to that, to that effort. And so more to come there, which in terms of those are the, the employers that the workforce goes to. Yeah. And obviously the legislature has has not finished. Um, the governor has said that this this special session, which has a little under 30 days now left, um, will be focused on property taxes and border security, um, as well as, you know, I think we're going to see one come back really specifically focusing on school choice potentially. Um, among other issues. So um, yeah, it's not, it's not necessarily over, but you know, the first part's over. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, again, thanks uh, Hannah for that recap and for the session and more to come there. Again, also want to thank our listeners over the past several years for sticking with us, sharing the episodes and just their support. 200 episodes of, of anything I think is a lot. Um, and I think about, I've been thinking about the last, like what's been going on with the firm uh, over the last over those last 200 episodes and it's been a lot um, i think i mentioned in our last show i can't remember but we did turn six as well bingham group did on april 17th and so uh you know continued milestone there and you know more to come in the future but again thank you to our listeners we definitely all also would love your support in checking out our new sister firm bg media and uh link to that will be in the show notes other than that though y'all have a great weekend yeah have a great weekend Thank you for listening to the BG Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share with your colleagues. The BG Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. The BG Podcast is a product of the Bingham Group LLC, an Austin-based lobbying firm serving businesses, nonprofits, and trade associations at the municipal and state level. You can learn more about the Bingham Group at www.binghamgp.com. That's B-I-N-G-H-A-M gp.com and for the latest firm news and content updates follow us on linkedin we'll have a link in the show notes thank you